0: Everyone, and a very warm welcome to morning worship at Hillhead. And a special welcome to Stuart, who's joined us in the hotel this morning. Our service will be led by our minister Katrina, and also taking part in this service are Nasi, who will lead us in the Lord's Prayer in Farsi. Elham, Ali, Janet, and Roger, who will read scripture for us. And our musicians this morning are Paul. Yang Yang, Freya and Sarah. In a minute or two, Joyce and Morag will be lighting our candle. But first of all, just a wee reminder to parents that um, if there are any children with us this morning who need a little bit of a break from the service, the Kelvin Suite just across the corridor is available to let children have a wee run around or just a chance to take some time out. As we all know Lilius's funeral will take place on Tuesday at 10 a.m. in the Harlot crematorium in East Renfrewshire. There's still time to request a link to the live stream of that funeral if you would like to have it. Um, you can send me an email requesting it any time up till 9 p.m. on Monday. But after that, um, I probably wouldn't see your email. So if you would still like to have a link to the live stream of Lilith's funeral, just drop me an email or give me a ring any time before 9pm on Monday. Next Sunday, we will meet again in the hotel and on Zoom, but it's time now for Morag and Joyce to light our candle.
1: As we gather for worship, let us join together to become the body of Christ. Christ is the light that lights our way. May we glimpse Christ's light this day. Amen.
2: So let us pray together. Holy Spirit of God, unseen, unheard, as we have sung, we believe in your ability to free God's people, free to slow down after another week of activity and to rest in God's presence, free to relax, if only for a short time, in order to draw breath and to reflect. Free to be who we really are, assured of God's welcome and acceptance. Jesus, Christ of God, unseen, unheard, yet, As we have sung, we believe you are here with us. Freeing us from the weight of regret over things done or left undone. Freeing us from the snare of sinfulness and greed. Freeing us to become who we have the potential to be as God's beloved children. God of all, unseen, unheard, yet everywhere present, delighting in your good creation. Help us to believe the words we say and the songs we sing. Help us to hear your words to us as your beloved children. Help us to rest a while to receive the blessing you long to bestow. Holy God perfect communion in love accept our praises respond to our prayers and keep us in your care amen
3: ey pedar ma ke dar asmani nam to muqaddas bad malakut to barqarar gardad irade to chonan ke dar asmān ast bar zamin niz anjām shavad نان روزانه ما را بده و گناهان ما را ببخش چنان که ما نیز آنان که بر ما گناه کردند را می بخشیم و ما را در آزمایش میاور بلکه از شریر رهایی بخش زیرا ملکوت قدرت و جلال تا آباد از آن توست آمین
1: Genesis chapter 2. On the seventh day, with the canvas of the cosmos completed, God passed from his labor and rested. Thus, God blessed day seven and made it special. An, op- an open time for pause and restoration. A sacred zone of Sabbath keeping, because God rested from all the work he had done in creation that day.
4: You must remember to keep the Sabbath a special day. You may work six days a week to do your job, but the seventh day is a day of rest in honor of the Lord, your God.
1: So on that day, no one
4: should not your sons and daughters, or your men and women slaves, even your animals, And the foreigners living in your cities must not work. That is because the Lord worked six days and made the sky, the earth, sea, and everything in them. And on the seventh day, He rested. In this way, the Lord blessed the Sabbath, the day of rest. He made that a very special day.
1: Come, gaze, fix your eyes on what the Eternal can do. Amazing. He has worked desolation here on these battlefields. God can stop words anywhere in the world. He can make a scrap of all weapons, snap bows, shatter spears, and burn shields. Be still, be calm, see and understand. I'm the true God, I'm honored among all the nation. I'm honored over all the years. You know the eternal, the commander on the on of heavenly armies. surrenders us and protect us. The true God of Jacob is our shelter, close to his heart.
2: I was chatting to another minister about our plans for the summer services this year and when I told them what he had planned they said ah the three R's well there will definitely be some readings and this morning we had some from perhaps less familiar translations of the bible I've lost my place completely now (laughs) I will certainly be doing some writing And today, well, there might just be a little bit of arithmetic or at least recognition of the importance of numbers to the ancient people whose stories form our sacred scriptures. Rest, reflection, recreation, three Sundays, three themes, three explorations and probably three slightly different styles. Hopefully, if you'll worship with us regularly this week, something should have arrived through the post. I'm conscious that the post office didn't send some of them off until Thursday, even though I handed them off on Monday. But hey-ho, if you haven't received something, you should be receiving something. The three snippets we heard from the Hebrew scriptures are very familiar. We've probably heard them countless times before. But perhaps we haven't paused to ask ourselves why these were remembered and eventually written down. Why does the poetic account of creation in Genesis 1 refer to seven days? What is the significance of the seventh day being one of inactivity following six days of incredible activity? To answer these questions, we need to remind ourselves that it was never intended that this was seen as a literal scientific account of the work of creation. Its poetic rhythms and repetitions with evening and morning and the daily divine declarations that it was good or very good are a celebration of what is observed, not an explanation of its origins. In a culture in which numbers were important, not as measures of quantity but as signifiers of meaning, the account offers insights are lost if we approach the account either literally or critically. For the ancients, the number six inferred incompleteness, whilst the number seven symbolised completeness or perfection. Three was seen as the number of heaven or of God whilst four was the number of the earth, the four corners of the earth, the four ancient elements. So a kind of symbolic arithmetic would see that three plus four, earth plus heaven equals seven, or God, or completeness. More importantly than any of that number stuff, which I always take with rather a large pinch of salt, the hint of Genesis, sorry, the story of Genesis 1 may hint us six days of active creativity as somehow incomplete. Completion only comes with the seventh day of divine rest. In other words, completeness or fulfillment needs both activity and rest. Sometimes I think it's kind of portrayed as if God has a rest on day seven, because God's tired. God's been busy all week, nine to five, whatever it may be in people's heads, and now God's tired, God needs to up God's feet. And I don't think that's what it's actually about. Though I do think for people like me who are quite driven, perhaps it's important to be reminded of the importance of time to rest. God modelled rest. So rest is a gift for us. And rest is essential to fulfilment. Going off script a bit for those who were, who are teching, but you know, in the Second World War they, they actually increased people to working seven day shifts and productivity went down because people were just too tired. So they reverted to six day working and productivity went up. Rest is really important. It is part of our health. It is part of creation. I suspect that actually it has always been thus, this tendency to keep busy. And I suspect that's partly why in the commands given to Moses, we find a very clear and detailed ruling about the Sabbath, the seventh day. As part of the rhythm of a healthy life, all creation needs to rest. Not just those who are wealthy, whose status allows them a day of idleness attended to by others, but all human life, all animal life, and in fact, all of creation. Rest is essential. Rest is holy. It is God-ordained. It's even an act of worship. Now, if we read all the scriptures in the Old Testament, we would discover that failing to keep the Sabbath actually could incur a death penalty. I don't know that this was ever carried out, but this is how seriously it was viewed. I'm not quite sure what's achieved by killing somebody for not taking a rest, to be honest. And I certainly wouldn't want to suggest we follow that line of thought. But actually, not having a rest is detrimental to our health, And well-being and certainly can lead to premature death or at least illness if we don't take care of ourselves so it's really important I included Psalm 46 or part of it a very well-loved psalm that has the words be still and know that I'm God words that continue to inspire countless people to write poems and songs And although it's not explicitly referring to rest, it's powerful imagery, powerful imagery. God's speaking into the chaos of human experience. He says, stop what you're doing. Stop fighting. Stop doing. Stop worrying. Stop fretting. Just be. And when you do that, in the midst of it all you'll be able to notice I'm there. You will glimpse the I am God, the God of the ancient people, the God of all time, the God whose creative purposes find completion in chosen rest. God paused, God rested, and so too should we.
5: returned from their travels, and told Jesus what they had done, whom they had seen, and how they spread the news of God's kingdom. Jesus said to the disciples, Let us go out into the wilderness for a while and rest ourselves. The crowds gathered as always, and Jesus and the twelve couldn't eat because so many people came and went. They could get no peace until they boarded a boat, and sailed toward a deserted place. But the people would not be put off so easily. Those along the shore who recognized Jesus followed along the coast. People pushed out of all the cities and gathered ahead of him, so that when Jesus came ashore and saw the crowd of people waiting for him in a place that should have been relatively deserted, he was moved to compassion. They were like sheep, without a shepherd.
2: So Jesus' twelve closest followers have just come back from their first mission trip, and it's been incredible. They're full of stories to share about what's happened, the things they've learned, the adventures they've had. News is breaking that Jesus' cousin, John the Baptiser, who'd been held in prison, has been executed in what seems to have been the impulsive act of a foolish and easily manipulated leader. There's so much to process. They're exhausted. And there are so many people coming and going that there isn't even time to sit down for a meal together. Jesus says, let's go away for a while and rest. Sounds wonderful. Yes, please. So they all get into a boat and set off, looking forward to some time out. Except... It doesn't work out that way. Because whilst they've been in the boat, people have raced along the shoreline and word has spread that they're on their way. As they come into land, all thoughts of time out are forgotten as Jesus sees the crowd and, moved by compassion, begins to teach them. Doesn't seem fair, does it? the promise of quality time with Jesus disappears and worse if we'd had the time to read on the disciples who hadn't had a chance to sit down for a meal together now find themselves commanded by Jesus to feed the very people whose presence had prevented them from enjoying that much needed time of rest. Really Jesus? Let's get some rest. Oh hang on a minute. There's work to be done. It's impossible work, and you're the ones to do it. The story of the feeding of the 5,000 is very much a Sunday school favourite. A small boy sharing his lunch, though not mentioned in Mark's gospel, is seen as an example to us of faith. Very rarely do we read that story in its wider context. Rarely do we allow ourselves to experience the frustration that may well have been the experience of the 12 if that chronology is literal. If they'd just come back, they were tired, they were hungry, they needed a rest, and they got told to do this stuff. Come away with me. Oh, there's still work to do. So often real life is like that, isn't it? We intend to rest. We plan a retreat day or a day off. We buy a new set of Bible study notes or a beautiful new journal. And then the interruptions come. Life gets in the way. We know that we should turn off the phone, stop checking the emails, We know that we should book that annual leave, block out the date night or the meet up with our friends. But life gets in the way and all too easily it slips away. Maybe in this story there are some helpful nuggets on which we can reflect. The first is that Jesus knows the reality of the struggle just as well as we do. He knew that his friends needed time out. And yet, for whatever reason, and I might get to ask him this one day, he allowed other urgent demands to override that. Maybe in our prayers or in our imagination, we can talk to Jesus about how that feels, about how this example isn't helpful. In fact, frankly, it's positively unhelpful. Maybe it reminds us that God is big enough to take our honesty and our frustration. The second little nugget seems to come in the small details. In the story we heard, Jesus and his disciples use a boat for their journey. And then after the 5,000 have been fed, Jesus sends his disciples off in another boat, or maybe the same boat, who knows? These are not pleasure trips, it's the equivalent of us getting the bus or the train or the drive to or from work. So I find myself wondering, can we reimagine our commute to or from work or to or from whatever it is that occupies us as a mini rest? Perhaps we can listen to an audiobook or a podcast along the way. If we're on a bus or a train... Perhaps we can read an actual book or journal. Perhaps we can take time to look out of the window and notice what's going on around us and savouring what's new that day. What new things do I notice? A very long time ago, certainly more than 30 years ago, a colleague of mine once said that on his commute home from work, he identified... Something that for him stood as a signpost. And he said, once I reach that point, in his case, a tree, once I see that tree, it's time to stop thinking work and start thinking home. And I find that a helpful idea. It may not be a tree, it may not be a physical thing, but what for us can be those markers that say, stop? Time to shift gear. Time to shift my attention from the busyness and the pressures of work life or whatever it is and rest. Give my mind a break, give my heart a break. Even if it's only for a few snatched moments in the busyness of it all, Jesus does still say these words. Come away with me and get some rest. Jesus said, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. translation involves interpretation. It's not just about converting words from one language to another. It's also about discerning or determining meaning. And that's really important in biblical paraphrases such as the voice and the message, which I deliberately chose for our service today. Eugene Peterson, who was responsible for the message was a pastor-theologian whose interests included spirituality, pastoral care, and self-care for pastors or ministers. Perhaps then it's not such a p- surprise that he chooses organised religious practice as the focus for his translation of heavy laden. Are you worn out by church? is perhaps a plain rendition of what he has Jesus ask. And certainly in our not-quite-end-of-pandemic world, it's a really important question. Not, are you done with God? But, have the demands of religious life become too much? Now, quite what those demands might be is open to interpretation, and I suspect that for each one of us the answer will be a bit different. But it could, for example, include explicit spiritual disciplines, such as quiet times or Bible study or expectations around prayer. Have they become burdensome? Are you worn out by them? It could mean the demands on our time or energy, the commitment to fulfil a role or to do things. Does that ring a bell? Could be something else entirely. If Peterson is right, if it's about religious practices or expectations, Jesus then says, well, let's sit down together and go through the list. Let's see what really matters and let's get rid of the other things. Maybe this is a call to simplify where we have made it complicated. Maybe it's a call to playfulness and freedom where routine has become restrictive. Maybe it is the offer of new kinds of service or new ways of encounter. What Jesus doesn't say is that there are no demands, no expectations. Rather, he offers to accompany each disciple at a pace and on a path That is the best fit for them. The image of the well-fitting yoke that doesn't rub the skin until it's raw. Of a load that isn't too heavy, nor too light. And of a travelling companion is beautiful. And it is also demanding. Because it can only happen if we choose to do it. The unforced rhythms of grace that Peterson speaks of are for us to discover or develop as we continue to journey onwards with Jesus. Whilst the message focuses explicitly on spiritual weariness and burdens, I think Jesus speaks more widely than that to the whole of life. I think there is an invitation to each one of us to bring to Jesus the loads that we're carrying from the whole of our lives. Our everyday responsibilities, including work if we are of working age or volunteering if we're not in employment. Our family, our friends, our neighbours. The memories of past regrets. The losses and disappointments that restrict our enjoyment of life. The worries that keep us awake at night. And the dreams that inspire us or exhaust us. And anything else because my list can never be complete or exhaustive. Jesus says to each one of us, bring these things to me. Let's spread them out. Weigh them up. Decide which ones we need to keep. And which ones we need to let go of. And those we need to keep. Let's pack them up again. Into a bag maybe. And let's each take one of the handles. And let's walk together. Side by side into the future. Carrying these things. Perhaps Jesus says something like this. Come to me, all who are worn out by the pressures and expectations of life. Let's make some time to rest, to reflect, to recover our energy. Let's decide what really matters, what it is that we want to keep. And then let's walk together for the rest of life's journey. I have a suspicion that as life goes on, more things get put into that bag again. I have a suspicion this is something that each of us needs to repeat at various points in our lives as we recognise those fresh burdens that we've picked up. But each time, Jesus says to us again, come to me and rest. As part of our prayers this morning, we're going to use a song response, which hopefully is printed on your service sheet. So during those prayers, when I say the words, help them or help us to be still and know God, we will sing, Be still and know that I'm God, twice. <laughs> So as we pray, we ask God's spirit to help us to be still and to know God. The BMS diary for this week notes that the transformation God enables through the work of BMS World Mission is not the result of a handful of superheroes, but instead thousands of ordinary people, each playing their own small part in God's great mission. This week, we pray for these changemakers, our BMS community. We give thanks for all who give of their time and talent as members of BMS Council and as trustees. For those who administer the BMS birthday scheme in local churches, organize appeals and special collections. For 24 hour Seven Partners, and for the churches whose planned giving includes regular gifts to BMS. We pray for wisdom and insight for those who determine how funds are employed and for courage when bold decisions need to be made. Amidst the daily challenges and clamour of the world, help them to be still and to know God. The Baptist Union of Scotland Prayer Diary invites us to pray for Lisa Holmes, the recently appointed deeper church lead, whose role is to help congregations and ministers attend to their spiritual lives and needs. We're also invited to pray for Highland Tire Church and for Hillview Community Church in Aberdeen, as well as to be encouraged in knowing that other churches are today praying for us. May each church and each person find rest in the coming days and weeks, able to discern how best to support and encourage one another. Amidst the daily challenges and the clamour of the world, help them and us to be still and to know God. Our own prayer diary invites us to pray for our trustees and office holders who give so generously of the skills and gifts, time and energy they have to serve this congregation. As they work hard for us, may they find fulfilment and may they be granted wisdom in balancing complex and demanding matters with their own needs for rest and refreshment. Especially this week, we pray for the family of Lilius as final preparations are made for her funeral. May your love and ours surround them. We name before you, Nasi, Sal, Nikan and Nikia. Marit and Tom, Alan, Edith and Tom, Bethany, Emma and Drew, Jane S, and Wendy. For each household, we pray for your peace and companionship in the unique circumstances they experience. Where there is pain, bring comfort. Where there are decisions to be made, bring clarity. Where there are preparations to be made, give energy amidst the daily challenges and the clamour of the world. Help them to be still and to know God. Lastly, we pray for the world beyond the bounds of Baptist life or of Christian faith. As we watch with dismay or bewilderment events in our own nations or around the world. As we become disillusioned with structures and systems that have lost their way. Become outmoded or where corruption undermines trust. We dare to pray for those whose voices are loud and powerful that truth, justice and integrity might yet transform their thinking and so transform agendas from despair to hope. As we attempt to pray for people we know and into situations of which we are aware We know that most of what happens in our world is unknown to us or anyone else. Grateful that you know, that you care, and that your grace and love are unending. We pray for the fulfillment of your covenant with all creation. Amidst the daily challenges and the clamor of the world, Help us and all creation to be still and to know God. Accept our prayers, which we offer in Jesus' name. Amen. May the God of Sabbath rest draw each of us to places of stillness and of quiet so that we may pause, lay down burdens and find renewed energy and enthusiasm for whatever lies ahead. And may the triune God, Spirit, Saviour and Source, be with us all now and always. Amen.